Reading now from the Gospel according to Matthew, the sixth chapter. Jesus said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume them, and where thieves break in and steal. For store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As Meg told you a bit ago, the children will be leading us in worship in the next service. It's our annual children's Sabbath observance. They've prepared. They will do well. It will be adorable. Parents and grandparents will become emotional watching these children do these things for God. And then I will be accused of having been manipulative by bringing children up to lead worship on Stewardship Sunday. (laughs) And when I am thus accused, I will have to say, you're right. But I will let those accusers know that this was not on purpose. This past summer, the staff was together. We were looking at the events coming up this fall. As we are forced to do, we checked two universities' football schedules. The result of which was there was one Saturday this month where we could have Children's Sabbath and one Saturday this Sunday this month where we could have Stewardship Sunday and it happened to be October 23rd for both. So you can thank those two universities for these two events aligning. Your faithful staff did not see a problem with Children's Sabbath and Stewardship Sunday being on the same day. They thought it might be good, that it might be good to have adorable children up here leading worship on Stewardship Sunday. We could use a little more adorable up there, I believe I heard one of them say. More them, less you, was the sentiment in the room. We'll be having our annual staff evaluations soon. (laughs) I don't mind that Children's Sabbath and Stewardship Sunday align, because if the goal is to show you that this church is alive and well, and that there are vital ministries going on, where better evidence is there than our children's ministry? Unless, of course, it's our teen ministry, or our adult ministry, or senior adults, or worship, or outreach and mission, our facilities, we could go on and on, we could go in any direction and have lots to be grateful for, many ways to celebrate the vitality of this church. What's your reason for being thankful for this church? What has your heart? Starting today and for the next few weeks, we're going to be asking you to think about what has your heart around here. What is a representation of what you are giving your life to around here? There are posters out in the commons. You may have seen them on your way in. We're going to ask you to to prayerfully affix a heart-shaped sticker to one of these ministry areas that is meaningful to you. We know that Jesus doesn't just want 
our time. We know that Jesus doesn't just want our talent. We know that Jesus doesn't just want our treasure, our money. We know that Jesus wants all of that, all of who we are. We believe the heart represents all of who we are. So we want you to find these posters and these stickers and place your heart where you find meaning. Or maybe where you want your heart to be. Have you thought about where you want your heart to be? Have you thought about where your heart is? Maybe your heart is where it is and you haven't given much thought to that. I would think you'd want to. It's it's good to think about what matters to us and why. And not just when it first matters to us, although that's a good place to start. When I meet with premarital couples, I ask them why they love the other. It's fun to watch them sweat. The question is weighty in a premarital counseling environment. They feel like they're supposed to give me the right answer, the thing I would want to hear about why they love the other. They want to love the other for all the right reasons, and she's pretty doesn't just seem like it ranks high enough to build a life of marriage on. The groom will look at her, struck dumb, (laughs) start to sweat. He thinks that she thinks he doesn't know why he loves her. Or more embarrassingly, that she thinks he thinks I think he doesn't know why he loves her. When I was 24 and going through premarital counseling, I don't know how long it would have taken me to stammer this out. But I at least would have thought. I love... Sally's face. I love the way Sally cares about people, especially children. I love how smart she is. And I love the way she looks. All those are still true, but something that I've been thinking about more now, I wouldn't have thought about it then, is I love the future we're building together. Our investment in each other is not just based on how we felt about each other when we were 24. It's not just about how we felt about each other when we started this life of marriage, which teaches us that our future is not just about how we feel about each other now. Our marriage is in part based on what we're growing toward, who we're becoming together. So what we're doing now will help us to get to where we hope to get together, who we want to become together. We're trying to grow spiritually. We're trying to grow mentally. We're trying to stay healthy. And we're trying to grow our retirement account so that we might be able to fund one of these retirement dreams I have for us. Every week I offer Sally another version of my retirement dreams I have for us. So far, I'm not getting any traction on an RV trip around the country. (laughs) I've moved on to maybe being summer uh, park 
service people out at Yellowstone. Haven't gotten very far with that one yet either. I keep trying. I've got a few years yet to help her to come in on one of these dreams. What I know is that if we don't have a goal for what we'd like to have in our life then, then we won't be willing to let go of the things we'd want to have in our life now. If we don't deny ourselves the things we want to have in our life now, then we won't be able to have what we'd like to have in our life then. So I try to help us think about what is required of us today in order for us to become what we would like to be then. We think about these kind of things when it comes to financial planning. I think we might all do well if we thought about these kind of things when it comes to discipleship planning. It's not by accident, I don't think, that Jesus takes a conversation about treasure and uses it away to think about discipleship. Do you have a discipleship plan? Be good if we had a discipleship planner in our life. So and I are working on a financial plan. We have a financial planner in our life. She's a good friend of ours. In our first meeting, she had us bring everything that we could about our financial situation, our income, our debts, our assets. It was a little bit invasive feeling to lay before her everything about our financial lives. This good friend of ours, she was gracious about it. So after we established that, the conversation moved on to where we'd like to get financially, what we hope our future would be like, what retirement might be like for us. We started with our present reality, turned our attention to where we'd like to go, and then talked about what it would take to get from where we are to where we'd like to be. Wouldn't it be good if we were that thoughtful about the rest of our life? where we'd like to be in our discipleship. I don't think developing a discipleship plan would be that different than developing a financial one. We need to know where we are and consider where we'd like to be and what it takes to get from where we are to where we'd like to be. We offer a class around here that helps us think in those ways. It's called a disciple's path. We keep offering that class because we keep wanting people to assess where they are and where they'd like to get to. And we... We list in that, and we go through times of conversation about where we'd like to get to as a praying person, as a worshiping person, as a studying person, a giving person, a serving person, a witnessing person, what it would take to get from where we are currently to where we'd like to go. Jesus looked at his disciples, and knowing human nature, he had them think about how they handled their treasure and indicated that it might need to improve. Because Jesus knew that how they handled their treasure would affect where their heart would go. And I think it's important on a day like today for us to remember that Jesus wasn't trying to raise a church budget. He wasn't anxious about covering cost of living increases or rising insurance premiums or 100,000 square feet of building maintenance that's required. Those weren't Jesus' concerns. His disciples were. And he looked at them. And knowing how people are, he talked about the disciples developing a plan for their treasure. 
Because for their sake, they needed to think about where their treasure was going because where their treasure was going is where their heart would follow. True of us, too. So Jesus has a request. It's when Martin Copenhaver observed, he writes, Jesus doesn't ask us to feel charitable toward our neighbors or our enemies. That would be asking something that is not in our control. We can't feel on command. Instead, Jesus asks us to act. In other words, as our discipleship planner, Jesus isn't waiting for us to feel like giving before telling us to start giving. Any more than our financial planner would tell us to wait until we're retired to start making our plans for retirement. The time is now. Jesus doesn't want us to wait because he wants our heart to be in the right places and where we put our treasure is where our heart will go. We will put our treasure somewhere. And he's calling us to think about what those faithful wares are. So while we're thinking about stewardship today, which includes an appeal to fund the ministries that we find so important and vital around here, including those adorable children. What Jesus wants us to think about is bigger than our church budget. It's more important than our church budget. Jesus is wondering how we will steward our hearts, our lives. And one of the assessment tools he's offering is for us to consider where is our treasure And the reason he asks this is because it's an indication of where are our hearts. Who do you want to become? What kind of person do you want to be? What future are you going toward and what will help you to get there? How does your giving relate to that? Are you putting your time, talent, and treasure in places that will help you become a more faithful disciple of Jesus Christ? One of the ways to get you from where you are to where you want to go is by being intentional with where you invest those, how you invest those. And I simply ask that you consider making a significant investment of your time, your talent, and your treasure in Christ's church. Because where you put those is where your heart will be And this is a good place to put your heart.